preaching. And I spent I spent quite a bit of time preparing some things for tonight, and I don't know if I'm going to get to them because just a few moments ago I felt a little nudge in my spirit. Hallelujah! To talk to you about something I'm I'm feeling on my heart. I'm I'm telling you that God is. God is waiting on us. It's setting on go right now. I believe God has given this church a green light. I believe all things are now ready except us. Well, hallelujah. It's time we get ready. Oh, hallelujah. Now, whether or not I get to what I prepared tonight or not, I don't know. And I'm not making any promises. But uh, uh, this, is not, this is not my recorded text. If you want to sit down, you can sit down. I may have you come back up here and sing again. I don't know. I don't know. what. I may have you stand on your head, Brother Jerry, before it's over with. I, I want to make sure I, I was... I was talking to him and not these ladies. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So this is not my recorded text, but I am going to preach to you from this for just a few moments, and then we'll see what happens after that. I may get to my prepared notes, and I may not. And uh, if uh, either way, you're going to find out what my notes are prepared for because it kind of works itself into what I'm feeling right now. But a familiar verse of Scripture to us as apostolics is in John chapter 4. Jesus meets with the woman at the well. And there is a conversation that ensues and uh, there are some things that are said here that I, I just kind of got, got a little new insight on it and uh, think that there's something here perhaps we are missing. Amen. And um, as I said, this may just be the introduction to my prepared notes or it may be my full message for tonight. I don't know. And right now, I don't care. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. John chapter 4. And we'll start with verse 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Amen. Now you understand the setting. He's talking to a Samaritan. He's talking to a woman that, that uh, uh, is, not, is not a Jew per se. But you know uh, that the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah were divided and Samaria uh, was a part of, uh, of that uh, northern kingdom and, and it became corrupt and it was there that Jeroboam set up his 
uh, altars his false gods and everything became corrupt in that northern area there and 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 so they had their own places to worship and she says to Jesus, he says, oh no, that you're a Jew. And the Jews say, we ought to go to Jerusalem to worship. And so Jesus responds to her in verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh and now is, or the hour cometh when you shall neither worship in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem, amen, uh, worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must. Everyone say must. Everyone say must. Everyone say must. Do you understand the significance of that word? There is no exception here. There are no qualifiers given here. But those that are going to worship God, if they're really going to worship him, then they must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, hallelujah. In spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated for a moment, whatever you want to do. I'm just going to tell you what I got to feeling, amen, about this passage of Scripture. I believe that found in this one verse, and you could just leave it on the wall for a few moments, but that I believe in this one verse, what we find here is the prescription for revival in, in, in the apostolic movement. I believe this is the prescription for revival. If we really want to see true church growth, I believe this is how it's going to be found. In a conversation with a pastor over the last few days, and uh, we began to discuss some things among ourselves and began to talk a little bit, and, and uh, he began to express to me, he said, I'm concerned because, he said, I believe that sometime back the church quit trying to have a move of God, and it was then they introduced the idea of outreach, and they became focused on church growth, and that became the model and that became the, 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 the thing that they were pursuing was church growth and, uh, and, and as he began to, to talk to me we were communicating via, via email I, I was concerned about what I was hearing and, and I wasn't sure that I understood him properly and so I sat down and began to explain to him that I believe what God is looking for is a balance I want us to be careful that we don't exclude outreach. I want us to be careful that we don't push aside trying to reach the lost. But at the same time, if all we do is bring a lost soul to a dead service, then we're not going to get anywhere. 
Well, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, I believe right here in this verse, Jesus is telling us, this is what I want for my church. I want a church that knows how to worship in spirit. And yet they know how to share the truth. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you, church, somehow we got to get a fresh revelation. There are two things that have got to come from us. Number one, when we get to church, we got to have good church. We've got to get sick and tired of dead, dull services. We've got to reach a place that we make up in our mind. I'm not just going to sit here like a bump on a log. I'm going to press through until we have a move of God. Hallelujah. And at the same time, at the same time, we can't just come in here and have good church among ourselves. Because there's a world out there that's got to be reached. And I believe we've got an obligation before God to not just worship God in spirit. See, we like to take this and say that means you've got to obey Acts 2.38. I believe it's more than obeying Acts 2.38. I don't believe that our job is finished when we've obeyed Acts 2.38. Ah, uh, this is not in those notes there, but get, get from me Matthew chapter 28 and, and, and start reading with about verse number 18. And uh, uh, hallelujah. Amen. Matthew chapter uh, 28 and verse 18 says this. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, uh -huh. all, power all power is given, is given unto me in heaven, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations. And do what? Teach all nations. Go ye therefore and do what? Teach. I'm looking for one word. Teach. Go ye therefore and can we get that verse on the wall? Matthew 28. We're in verse 19. Go ye therefore and we're in verse 19 now. You're a verse behind 19. Amen. Go ye therefore and well, hallelujah. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. All right. Read. Baptizing them in the name of baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Read. Teaching them. Now, wait a minute. What's the next word? Now, look, I'm telling you, here is what's got to happen. There has got to be a process in our mind. We have not finished the job just because we get somebody down in the water and get them to talk in tongues. But there is something that's got to happen after Acts 2.38. Amen. He said, go you therefore, teach them, baptize them, and then teach them again. We're in verse 20 now. You're still one behind us. Verse 20 now. Now look, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. What did he command them? Go and teach and baptize. He said once you teach and you baptize, then teach them to go and teach and to baptize. 
Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, the job is not finished until not only are we soul winners, but we have won someone and turned them into a soul winner. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I was really concerned because the way the man now, when it all came down to it, I had misunderstood him, and I'm glad I did. But, 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 but the way that he was first coming on, he, he, it sounded like he was trying to tell me, all we got to do is have good church. We just sit back and pray and let the Spirit move, and God will send people. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe with all my heart, God draws people to the church. I've seen it happen. I've watched it happen. I've talked about the church I grew up in. I've talked about the revival we experienced. Can I tell you, we didn't have an organized outreach. Can I tell you, we didn't get together on Saturday mornings and go out and knock doors. Now, we did run some bus routes. I was captain of a bus route at the age of 16. Had my own bus route. I couldn't drive the bus, but, but I was out there getting kids to come. Well, hallelujah. Amen. But, but as far as the church getting together and knocking doors, we didn't do it. And yet we had people praying through every service. Now, how was that? Well, we had a move of God going on. And I do believe that God draws people. But here's what I told them. God wasn't just randomly drawing people just because we had a move of God. But we were excited about what God was doing. And when I went to school, I was telling people about what God was doing at church. And when people went to work, they were telling their co-workers about what God was doing at church. Now, God didn't always draw the people we invited. But I do believe there is a law of the harvest that if we'll get out there and sow, then we will reap whatever we sow. And if we're not sowing anything, we're not going to reap anything. There's no way we can have a harvest if we're not planting any seeds. Well, I told that man, I said, go over to the book of James. And you're going to find where James said, behold, the husbandman, that is the farmer. Amen. What kind of a farmer? I don't care how spiritual he is. I don't care how many days he fasts. I don't care how many hours he prays. If he doesn't put a seed in the ground, he's not going to get a crop. Well, hallelujah. But that's what too many apostolics are expecting. We're praying God said revival. God said revival. And God is saying, I want to send some laborers to go out there and bring the revival. All right, don't quit on me now. I'm preaching to you, saints of God. We've got to understand something here. We've got to understand we've got an obligation. We've got to get out there and reach this city. It's time for you to lay down your excuses why you can't teach a Bible study and pick up a Bible study and start teaching it. You say, I might mess up, so what? Have you had that attitude about everything in life? I'll never forget when I... Be seated. I'll never forget when I started driving. My dad, 
back in those days, you know, uh, most everything was standard shift. The old clutch. And a lot of you don't even have a clue what that's about. Uh, but I remember my dad, we had an old work truck that we hauled hay in, and uh, he decided he's going to teach me how to drive in, in that old rusty pickup truck. And we got out there in the field where I couldn't hit anything, and we hopped all over that field. Now, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's because you've never driven a standard shift. If you don't learn that just the right mix between letting off the clutch and adding to the gas, then you're not going to drive. You're going to jump. And we hopped all over that field. I'm going to tell you, if I'd have had the attitude, well, if I mess up, there's no sense in trying again. I wouldn't be driving today. In fact, I'm going to tell you, it really didn't get much better. I'm just telling on myself tonight. It, it didn't get a whole lot better for a long time. My dad finally decided to give up on the standard shift, and he, he put me in one that had automatic, and we drove a little ways in that, and we went back home. And he decided he wasn't going to teach me anymore. Mom was going to have to teach me. He was, he was through. And my mom, bless her heart, she wouldn't say anything. She'd just turn white and hold on to the door and look out the window and probably say in some prayers, God help me here. <laughs> and you know what? Some of you are probably the same way. Just about anything you've ever learned to do in life, you had to mess up a few times. But you know what I've found? I've found that God looks at honest-hearted people, and you get out there and teach a Bible study, you might say something crazy, you might come up with some weird something or other, but God sees your heart, and I believe God will help you if you'll just get out there and try. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't have all the answers. So, what's wrong with that? You know, I think people appreciate it when you say, I don't know how to answer that question, but I'll find out. Write it down. Hallelujah. And then get out your Bible and see if you can find an answer before you call me. I told my wife, I said, some people, you know, there, there seems to be two kinds of people in the church. That's not this way much anymore because times have changed, but there was a time in my life, I said, I think there's people that see me in one of two ways. I'm either the phone book or Strong's Concordance. I'm telling you the truth. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've gotten in my pastoral years. People saying, do you have so-and-so's phone number? <laughs> well, that's right. It used to happen all the time. And I can't tell you how many times I've had my phone ring and say, where's that scripture that says? Well, look, I want to help you. But you know, the best thing I can do to help you is to teach you how to get that Bible down and find some answers for yourself. Well, 
If you'll get a Strong's exhaustive concordance, every word in the Bible, including a, an, and the, is listed there every time it appears. That's right. You get the exhaustive one. Every word in the Bible is there every time it appears. If you can't find it in Strong's exhaustive concordance, it's because you're quoting it wrong or it's not there. That's right. Somebody said, where's the scripture that says God won't dwell in an unclean temple? Well, you can look for that one all you want. I believe the principle's there, but there's no such verse. Well, that just blew some of your minds. You just knew it was there. The principle's there, but there's no verse that says that. Well, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. So you may just be quoting the verse wrong, or else it's not there at all. But get your Strong's exhaustive concordance. Look it up. Find it. Do a little study. Well, you were shouting with me a while ago. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Jesus said, true worshipers, there's two qualities. There's two qualities that have got to come to a true revival church. They've got to have truth. But it's more than just obedience on their part to the truth. But it is sharing that truth. It's getting out there, and, to, and, and this is where I can just tell you, I, I've worked, I've prepared, I've, I announced Tuesday night, I ask everyone Tuesday night to pray a prayer, a specific prayer, God, lead me to somebody that I can teach a Bible study to. I hope you're praying that every day. If you weren't here Tuesday night, now is your notice. I want you to be praying that every day. God, lead me to somebody I can teach a Bible study to. And so you know what I did? Now, I, I ordered, I, I told the church Tuesday night, I ordered, by faith, I ordered 100 copies of Into His Marvelous Light, one of the simplest Bible studies you can get anywhere. Ordered 100 copies. By faith, I believe you're going to use them. But I didn't want to wait till they came in. And I've got a Bible study that I put together some time back. And I, I've taught it to this church. But, but my intention is for you to get out there and teach it to the lost. And so I worked, I worked this afternoon making up handout sheets that you can take with you. You can take this Bible study, you can teach it, and I was going to teach it to you tonight. I don't think I'm going to take the time to teach this tonight. I may do it next week, I don't know. But tonight what I'm feeling on my heart is you've got to get an understanding that you've got an obligation. It's not enough for you to sit on a pew and pay your tithes and obey the standards of the church. That's not enough. God called you to be witnesses. The true worshipers, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. I'm telling you, we've got to get out there and tell this city the truth. Now, I, I shouldn't even have to say this, but, but I have to. 
You don't go out there and tell everybody they're going to hell. You, 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 don't, you don't just walk out there and start telling everybody they're lost. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Now, how wise is it to say, man, you're going to split hell wide open? That's not very wise if you ask me. You say, well, how do you answer the question? I've had people say, well, are you telling me grandma was lost? You know what my answer is? My answer is we're not going to worry about grandma. I'm worried about you. I'm going to let God take care of grandma. I'm worried about you. I want to show you what the Bible says for you. Well, hallelujah. It's one of the things my dad had to deal with when he first started getting hungry for the church. I remember him asking our pastor. He said, my mama was a praying woman. My mama, I used to hear her sing songs and cry, but she never knew about baptism in Jesus' name and receiving the Holy Ghost. Did my mama go to hell? Well, how do you answer that question? Now, there was a, there was a preacher on the radio some years ago his name was Bishop Johnson, and he didn't mind telling you. You call, you, you call Bishop Johnson with a question, and he didn't mind telling you. Somebody called him and said, my mama was a praying woman. She was godly, and she did what was right, and, but she never got baptized in Jesus' name, and she never spoke in tongues. Bishop Johnson said, your mama went straight to hell. Next question. I don't recommend you answer questions that way. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't, I, don't, I don't recommend you answer questions that way. I recommend you use wisdom. He that winneth souls is wise. Wise. But I'm going to tell you, we've got to get out there and tell this city the truth. Do we believe this is the only message that saves? No, I, no, no, you, no, evidently you really don't. Do you believe that there's no other way to be saved except repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues and living a holy, godly, separated life? Do you really believe that? Well, if you believe that, then we've got a big job on our hands to get out there and tell this city the truth. If we believe this message, the Baptists aren't going to reach them with this. They might reach them, but they're not going to reach them with the truth. The Mormons might reach them, but they're not going to reach them with the truth. Hallelujah. Brother Burgess made a, I think, a profound statement about what's going on in Africa. As we have come to, to know these men a little better, what we see is there is such a hunger for them to know more about the Scripture. They really don't know much about the Scripture, and there's such a hunger. And Brother Burgess said if somebody else had gotten to them first with false doctrine, they're hungry enough, they may have just accepted that. 
Well, you know what? There's a whole lot of people all over this city and the surrounding suburbs. Are you listening to me tonight? That are the same way. They're hungry for something. They're looking for something. And somebody's going to knock on their door. And it may be the Jehovah's Witnesses. And it may be the Mormons. And it may be the Baptists. And it may be the Charismatics. But let's praise the Apostolics. Let's pray that there's something on the inside of us that we want to take this message to everybody. We got to get out there and we got to teach some Bible studies. We've got to teach some Bible studies. I'm not getting enough response. I'm talking to everybody under the sound of my voice right now. You, you need to teach a Bible study. Well, hallelujah. Because the true worshipers are going to worship in truth. We're not just going to have truth. We're going to share truth. We're going to take truth with us. And the other side of that is the true worshipers are going to worship in spirit. And I'm going to tell you something, saints of God. It is one thing for us to worship. It's another thing altogether to worship in the spirit. Well, I've seen a whole lot of worship go on that was not in the spirit. And I'm not opposed to, you know, I, I, I remember growing up uh, in Pentecost, they used to talk about, well, so-and-so was really in the flesh when they shouted because, I mean, he, he broke his little toe, you know. He, he's dancing and kicked the pew and broke his toe. He must have been in the flesh. Well, you know what? There's never been a time that I've ever shouted or danced that I wasn't in my flesh. My spirit has yet to leave my body. Well, every time I've ever worshipped God, I was in my flesh. But, that's not what they were talking about. But, I just want you to understand that I, I, I love for us to worship. I want us to worship. I don't want us to quit worshiping. But I'm telling you that somehow we've got to understand there is another dimension to worship that goes beyond just raising our hands, just shouting amen. And that's the dimension we've got to strive for. We've got to be out there inviting folks. We've got to be out there teaching Bible studies. But I'm telling you, when they walk in these doors, they better not walk into a dead church. There have been too many people that have walked in and sat on these pews while we sat back and did nothing. And we never really pressed into the Holy Ghost, never really had a move of God. And they've walked right out the doors and never come back because they didn't feel anything different than what they feel in the other churches. This is why I'm saying to New Life, the true worshipers, the true worshipers, the true worshipers. We're going to have truth, but we're going to have spirit when we get here. 
Well, hallelujah. And I know, I know, I know, I know week service, midweek service is a bad time to address promptness because I know you're working. I know some of you do your very, very best to get here as soon as you can get here for midweek service. So please let me, let me offer that qualifier. Let me offer that uh, uh, to you tonight that I understand on midweek service when you're doing your very best to get here and you still can't make it quite as early as you'd like. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know of any of you that have got an excuse on Sunday morning. Well, no, let me back up. A lot of you have got excuses. I don't know any of you that have got a reason on Sunday morning to not be here in time to pray. And if you're not here in time to pray, there's a reason for that. It's because a move of the Spirit is really not that important to you. Well, do we want revival or don't we? I'm going to tell you, we've got to do a better job of dragging our lazy self out of bed and get to the house of God and do some praying and seeking God until the Holy Ghost is, is bouncing off these walls. Well, we got a lot of excuses, a lot of excuses, Sunday evenings, a lot of excuses, why we're not here in time to pray. And some get here in time to pray, but they don't come and pray. I'm going to tell you, listen, 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 look in the mirror right now. There's a reason for that. It's because a move of God is not that important to you. That's really the reason. Because if you really felt like, I've got to have a move of God tonight. This church has to have a move of God tonight. We don't know who's going to be here. We don't know what sinner might show up. We don't know who's going to be in the service. We cannot afford to have a dead service. God we got to press past this old flesh. we got to get beyond our carnality. And we've got to have a move of God. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, saints of God, I did witness times in my home church when we'd be having church. And all of a sudden, the back doors would open and people would just come walking in. They would testify later. We were driving by and something told us, you got to go to that church. That doesn't happen if we're having dead church. Oh, don't quit on me now. Is it already quitting time? It can't be quitting time already. That's not going to happen if we're just having dead church. If it's just a dry Bible study night, I'm going to tell you, God's not going to stop anybody that's driving down Highway 7 and say, walk into that dead service. But if we can get a move of God going, if somehow we can get into the spirit, we can worship in spirit. Not just worship, but worship in spirit. I'm 
telling you, if we could get a move of God, if we can have a Holy Ghost outpouring, when we come to church, God will start drawing folks. God will start directing folks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you know, in order for there to be water, you've got to have hydrogen and oxygen. You've got to have hydrogen and oxygen in order to have water. Do you know that? Why they call it H2O. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. That makes water. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you that we've got to have worship in spirit and truth if we're going to have revival. Neither one, neither one is the answer in and of itself. I'm telling you, we can have the best church, amen, the best church services, the most on fire church services, but if we're not inviting anybody, we're not going to see revival. On the other hand, we could get out and invite until we're blue in the face, but if we don't have good church when they get here, we're not going to have revival. Come on, somebody. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe God, I believe God is trying to tell us something. That we've got to get a fresh revelation of what it takes. We say we want revival, but are we willing to pay the price? How bad do we want it? How bad do we want it? Are you willing to go teach some Bible studies? Are you willing to get out there and talk to some folks? Are you willing to hand out a few church cards? Well, hallelujah. And then are you willing to get in here and have church? Fight off the devil. Push past carnality. Lay aside your differences. Come on. Quit your squabbling and your, and your bickering and, and your backbiting and, and stop all that and decide we got to have church when we get here. It's not about me. It's not about it. It's about him. It's about having church. It's about reaching this city. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Let's everybody stand. There's no sense in me trying to get into what I was going to take you through that Bible study tonight. I'm not going to try tonight. Musicians, come. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit early tonight. And I'm going to tell you, the ball's in your court, new life. The ball is in your court. I'm telling you, God is... God is saying to us, you've got the opportunity right now to have real revival. If you really want it, if you really want it, you can have it. But you're going to have to do some things in order to have it. 
you're going to have to get out there and start reaching the lost. You're going to have to do more about securing some Bible studies. Well, hallelujah. And you're going to have to do more about having good church when we come to church. I thank God for the good prayer meeting that was going on before service tonight. But don't let this be the exception. I'm telling you, we got to do this again Sunday morning. We got to do it again Sunday night. In fact, in fact, I skipped one. We got service on Saturday. Starts at 1 o'clock, is that right? 1 o'clock. So we ought to be here at least by 12.30. At least by 12.30. Get in here and have church before church starts. Hey, we don't know who's going to be sitting on these pews on Saturday afternoon. We don't know. And I'm telling you, church, if we'll get in here and have good church, God can stop somebody off this highway. In fact, I'm going to step out on a limb and tell you that if you'll listen to what your pastor's telling you right now, if you'll put these two things in practice, it's not going to be many days hence, and somebody is going to be driving by this church, and God's going to tell them, turn in there. I'm telling you, God wants to do it. God's looking to do it. God desires to do it. started this whole email conversation with this other pastor about the virtues of outreach, church growth, move of God. It was a message, or uh, I guess not really a message, but another preacher was talking about some things his church experienced, and he made a statement that, that he was in prayer one day and God spoke to him. He said, God told him, angels never die. He said, okay. I, I can accept that, God. That's fine. Angels never die. I accept that. He said, I wondered, why did God tell me that? He said that God then spoke to him and said, that same angel that went and talked to Cornelius is still available today. what started this whole conversation with this other pastor because we, we start getting into some crazy stuff with angels. I believe in angels. I believe they're ministering spirits. I, I, I believe that. So I'm not going to go into everything this man was saying. Some things he said I don't agree with. I do think that's a true statement. I know that's a true statement. I know that the angel that talked to Cornelius is still alive and well today. Now, he said he prayed a prayer as a result of that. 
he said that he was down at the store, he and his wife. And he said, he said as they were checking out, a woman looked at them. She said, you're a pastor, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. She said, you pastor a church on such and such a road. He said, yes, that's right. She said, the carpet's burgundy, the pews are burgundy. You've got burgundy chandeliers hanging. He said, that's right. She said, I know that you're wondering how I knew all that. He said, well, yeah, that is a question in my mind. She said, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision. She said, but I saw you standing behind that pulpit. I saw that church. And she said, then an angel appeared to me and said, that man needs to be your pastor. Now, look, all I'm telling you is this church. I do believe it is a true principle that angels never die. And I do believe that that same angel that was sent to talk to Cornelius and tell him to go find Peter, that angel is still alive. Now, I don't believe we can order that angel around. I believe God's the only one that orders angels. But I can tell you this, I do believe that there are more Corneliuses. And I do believe that if this church will have a move of God, I believe that God will send his angels to talk to some Corneliuses. But I believe we've got to be out there doing what we can do. Well, hallelujah. And then I believe we've got to get in here and do what we can do. See this? Back to James, back to the book of James. This is what I, I told the man in our, in our email, email conversation. I said, find where James said, behold the husbandman or the farmer. Here's what we learn from a farmer. A farmer doesn't just, doesn't just pray for a plot of ground, but he plants seeds and he waters it, and he fertilizes it, he tends it. There are some things the farmer cannot do. He cannot make the sunshine. He cannot make it rain. He cannot keep all of the bugs away. So a good farmer, a godly farmer, sees two things that are involved. Number one, I've got to do my part. And number two, I've got to trust God to do what I cannot do. And I believe that's the key to a revival church. We're going to do our part. We're going to get out there and tell everybody we can tell. We're going to take this message. We're going to teach Bible studies. We're going to invite people to the house of God. And then we're going to have a move of God so that God sends the rain. Well, hallelujah. Does anybody really want to have a revival at New Life Pentecostal Church? Anybody really hungry for a true move of God around here? We haven't quit smiting the ground yet, have we? We're not through, are we? Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, it's time for a fresh commitment tonight. It's time for us to tell God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out there. I'm going to be everything I can be. I'm going to accept the challenge. I'm going to do my part to win this city. Anybody? Anybody? 
Is there anybody willing to come and make a commitment? I'm going to give my best. I'm going to do what I can do. When I'm outside these walls, I'm going to do my part. When I'm inside these walls, I'm going to do my part. Because then and only then can we give God the opportunity to do his part. Oh, come on, let's talk to God. Come on, let's talk to God. Because the seeds you planted have not produced lasting results. 
said, well, I've brought people and they're not here. I've invited people and they didn't come. And the devil will use that to get you to quit inviting. I want to show you something. Matthew chapter 13. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. So, they invited some folks and they never showed up. Some fell on stony places. They had not much earth. Forthwith they sprung up, but because they had no deepness of earth, when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. So some said, yeah, that sounds really good to me. And they showed up a time or two and didn't come back. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. story but here's what I want to tell you about this story the sower doesn't have a very good record up to this point does he I mean really if we stopped right here he just hadn't accomplished a whole lot has he but do you know who the sower is? Matthew 13 and 37, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Jesus himself sowed seed that didn't produce. Jesus himself sowed seed that only produced temporary results. Now if Jesus had those kinds of results, why should you get discouraged if that's what happens to you? You're sure not better at it than he is. But what we've got to focus on is that's not the end of the story. Because verse 8 says, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. So let's say he's got 12 seeds and he sows three. And it's wayside. No results. And he sows three. Stony ground. Springs up. Dies away. He sows three. Thorny ground. Gets choked out. Nine of his twelve seeds are gone. Nine out of twelve are gone. Are you with me? But he gets to that fourth plot of ground. He's only got three seeds left. But he sows those three seeds. 
and one of those seeds produces 30 plants. That already makes up for the nine that didn't last. Just the 30-fold. But another seed brings forth 60. We're at 90 plants now. Ten times what we thought was wasted. And some brought forth a hundredfold. Twelve seeds. Nine of them didn't do any good. Three of them did. But those three produced a hundred and ninety plants. From three seeds. Well, do you understand what I'm telling you? You can't get discouraged because the one you brought's not still here. Say, okay, that's one of my 12. All right, that's two of the 12. Somewhere along the way here, I'm going to hit that 30-fold seed. Somewhere along the way, I'm going to hit that 60-fold seed. Somewhere along the way, I'm going to hit that 100-fold seed. I don't know how many people Ananias witnessed to in his lifetime. I have no idea what kind of results he saw. All I know is one seed that was planted... name was Saul of Tarsus. Ananias prayed him through to the Holy Ghost and baptized him in Jesus' name. But Saul of Tarsus reached all of Asia Minor, became the apostle to the Gentiles. One seed, one seed. So you just keep on planting the seed. Don't get discouraged at what's not happening. Just get more excited because the Bible tells us good ground's coming. Every piece of bad ground we hit, that's all right. We're just getting closer to the good ground. God promised it to us. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Let's walk out of here encouraged tonight. Let's walk out of here on fire tonight. Let's walk out of here with our minds made up. Hallelujah. Years ago, many churches used to put a little phrase the entrance to their sanctuary. A lot of churches had it. And some folks got to criticizing it. So they quit using it. But it said, enter to worship, leave to serve. And I, I, you know, folks got to criticize and say, well, you ought to worship God all the time. You shouldn't just be in the church. You ought to serve God all the time, not just outside. And I understand all that. But I do think there is a principle there that we ought to get a hold of. When we walk in these doors, 
we ought to walk in with one purpose. I am going to worship God in the spirit tonight. Whatever that means, whatever I've got to do to push past my flesh, I'm going to get in the spirit. It's not just going to be clapping my hands just strictly to the beat of the music. It's not just going to be patting my foot to the beat of the music. That might be where I start, but I've got my mind made up. That's not where I'm going to finish. By the time service is over, I'm going to get into the spirit. So I'm going to enter the worship. And then when I walk out, I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start reaching everybody I can reach. I'm going to talk to everybody I can talk to. I'm going to invite everybody I can invite. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's talk to him one more time, can we? One more time, everybody. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. churches show up and it takes a while for everybody to kind of get in the groove but I think if the home church would get in the groove it'd be easier for everybody else to get there well let's get in here and have good church on Saturday let's have a move of God you know what I'd love to see I'd love to see us have to carry some